world where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years. What if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. Hello, Craig's listeners. It's an all-new Craig's List, and it's a special bonus episode. We're going off-list for this one. Well, it's more of a replacement episode than a bonus episode. <laughs> You're saying we're just doing this episode to kill time while you try to watch this four-hour French movie? That's exactly right. No, we had planned on doing this best of 2016 list for a while. Right. Uh, but this is a perfect time to do it, Carla. I agree. Uh, I still haven't watched the four-hour French film, everyone. <laughs> I'm Craig Kikowski. I'm Carla. And Kikowski. Kikowski. Own up to your last name, woman. Snowden <laughs> is, my, is my real last oh, name. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> You're trying to disassociate yourself oh. from being a Kikowski. No. I love Kikowski. I love Snowden. <laughs> uh, so we're going to discuss this week rather than my 100 favorite movies. Uh, we've probably covered this as well, but I do a best of list for every year. I've done this every year since 1989. So I do a top 25 movies for the year. I do top 10 actors, top 10 actresses, supporting actors, supporting actress, director, just like oh, the Oscar categories. I'm exhausted. Just hearing about the categories, you're yeah. exhausted. <laughs> yeah, I do this every year. Uh, and so this is, listen, it's kind of a work in progress because there's still many movies from 2016 I have not seen, but I will say that I've seen pretty much all the major award contenders. I've seen all of the movies nominated for major Oscars other than L and Loving, both mm -hmm. of which are up for uh, best actress. I haven't actress. seen either of those either. Uh, so I've seen uh, all the other major ones as well as a number of movies throughout the year. So I think I'm qualified to put out a tentative as of February 7th top 10 for 2016 mm -hmm. movies that I've seen. And then I've combined uh, 10 of my favorite performances from throughout all four categories into one category. Uh, so we're going to go through my 10 top performances of the year and top 10 movies. And Carlo, did you do the same? I did. I did the exact same thing because you asked me to. <laughs> <laughs> I have 10 top movies and 10 top performances, supporting, leading performances all mixed together. Okay. Carlo, you're now a list maker. How does it feel? It's really stressful. <laughs> And also, like, I could totally disagree with this list tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, the, here's things that I haven't seen yet. So they're not included. Um, I have not seen Arrival yet. I think that's the one big one that I haven't seen yet. Okay. I keep putting it off because I think it's going to make me cry. I think it will too. <laughs> um, but I will see it. And then, uh, we'll let you guys know if I decide to put that in my top 10, uh, in a future episode, maybe. If anybody cares. Um, I also haven't seen the 13th or 13th. Yeah. Um, which is a documentary on Netflix that yeah, it I was really want to see. 13th by Ava DuVernay. Yeah. And then I haven't seen Loving yet. I have not seen L and I won't see L because I 
don't like violence okay. against women. Not into that. Not into that. And then there are two movies that aren't really awards contenders, but there are two movies that I still want to see from 2016 that I haven't. The first one is Patterson. Oh, yeah. I want to see that, too. Because I think that's a movie I would probably like. I'm a Jim Jarmusch fan. And then also Tony Erdman, which is that German comedy that was like on everybody's top 10 list. Yeah. All the critics. It sounds really strange. It you sounds know. funny. I, I want to see it, but yeah. it's really long. Okay. It's a three-hour German comedy, yeah. which seems, <laughs> seems very <excessive. laughs> antithetical. So. so those are the things on my list that I haven't seen yet, but I'm assuming I'll probably like. Okay. And not L, though. I'm not seeing L. Okay. And you did not see Hacksaw Ridge? I did not. Oh, that's right. I did not see Hacksaw Ridge or Silence because I don't care <laughs> about either of those About things. Andrew Garfield. <laughs> or Scorsese? Is that who it is? Yeah. And Mel Gibson? Yep. Don't care. Okay. I did I did see that movie. And uh, spoiler alert, it's not on my list. <laughs> um, we might get into some Oscar predictions as well. Yeah. Handicapping the ceremony. That's going to be fun. What did you just say? Handicapping the ceremony. Oh. What did you think I said? Head capping or something. What do you mean by handicapping the ceremony? Making predictions. Oh. Yeah. Okay. You don't know the that term refers to people other than the, the disabled? I guess I didn't. <laughs> uh, it's an odds maker. It's a gambling thing. Handicapping. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like your handicap when you're bowling. What is your handicap? <laughs> <laughs> People say that. Right? My handicap is that I suck at bowling. <laughs> no, you don't. You always win. I'm pretty good, actually. You're stupidly good. It's really annoying. <laughs> I took bowling as a PE in college, so <laughs> you're very good. Yeah, at bowling. I'm pretty qualified. Uh, well, yeah, I guess because this is a special episode today, we won't be doing any Carlos quotes. Aww. Uh it'll be nothing but Carlos quotes in the sense that Carlos constantly going to be just quoting herself. Yep. Uh, and not all these movies we saw, we did not, not all these movies we saw together. <laughs> not all the, not all these movies oh we saw together. <laughs> uh, Is that Yoda or, um, slimy guy from Lord of the Rings? <laughs> Gollum? Yeah. I think Gollum speaks more in, uh, full sentences than Yoda does. Okay. So yeah. that was Yoda you just did? That was Yoda. Take your hand away from your mouth. I can't hear you. Take your hand away from your <laughs> mouth, Carlos. <laughs> we don't want any other people complaining about the sound on our podcast for this free podcast. Look, uh, <laughs> I'm going to try to use the, what you call it on this one. What's the thing that I've The levelator? You? The levelator. Is Doesn't that a real thing? Yeah. Okay. Ben Blacker suggests that. Okay. I'm going to try a levelator. Yeah. To, uh, to make the quiet sounds pop and to bring those loud sounds down. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're going to level it out. And so it'll be, uh, more consistently pleasing to your ears, mm-hmm. Craig's listeners. Carla, why don't we kick it off with your number 10 performance of so 2016? We're going we're gonna to start with performances. Let's start with performances. Okay. I'm a little nervous about this one. Okay. Uh, Chris Gethard in Don't Think Twice. Chris Gethard in Don't Think Twice. What a great choice. Is it? Yes. Oh, good. That's awesome. I thought you were going to make fun of me for that one. Not at all. I thought, uh, I know Chris Gethard a little bit through the improv world. Yeah. And uh, I thought he was my favorite character in this movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he gave a fantastic performance. Yeah. I just thought he was, I mean, I, I really like all those actors, but... He, um, 
surprised me the most in that he seemed most like a real improviser to me. <laughs> yeah. Which I, that's not a knock on the other actors. They're all really <laughs> great. But I just thought that he, uh, in terms of like having all the improv experience that I have and hanging out with improvisers, he just felt like the most, the, mo- the most like one of my friends. Absolutely. If you guys don't know what Don't Think Twice is, it's a uh, Mike Birbiglia movie about long-form improvisers uh, played by Keegan-Michael Key, Gillian Jacobs, uh, Kate Micucci, Tammy Sager, Chris Gethard, mm-hmm. and who am I forgetting? I don't know. Other people. Yeah, other people. Uh uh, and Mike Birbiglia. Mike Birbiglia, right. <laughs> I, I missed him, the, the writer-director. And yeah, they're in kind of a long-form improv group in New York. They've been together for a while. And I would agree that uh, Gethard felt like the one, you know, you totally knew who all of them were off stage, but I also, more than any of them, I had a sense of what his improv persona yes. was within the ensemble. Absolutely. Yeah. And Tammy Sager is... And I've said this before on my other uh, podcast, Improviac. She is my favorite improviser to watch. Um, and so I was a little annoyed with the filmmakers that they didn't get across how great she is on stage. Well, all the improv is scripted yeah. in it. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, I thought she's very good in the movie. And that scene where she um, jumps uh, down Mike Birbiglia's throat about sleeping with his students uh-huh. is probably the best scene in the whole movie. Um, and very timely considering discussions that are uh, alive in the improv community. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I just felt like with Chris, when he improvised on stage, it felt very real. Yeah. Like a real improv show. Only the perviest of improv teachers would marry uh, one of their former students. Are you a perv? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've covered this. And it's, uh, it was a different era. Uh, well, that's a great choice. I, I think uh, I like the movie a little more than you did. Or you, you felt yeah. like the movie hit the, very close to home for you. Yes. And it made me sad. And I just wanted to be feel I wanted to feel more joy watching Don't Think Twice. And I did. Again, it's not it's a good movie. I'm not knocking what they did with it. It's. It's a it's a really good movie, but I just I wanted to feel differently about it. I think Berbiglia's main uh, goal with it was to kind of uh, show a a group of peers and the kind of professional jealousy that comes up, you know, when different people have different success levels, mm-hmm. you know, and definitely in the improv and sketch community, like SNL, it's not SNL in the movie, but it's pretty much SNL, right? Uh, is kind of the be all and end all of job that you want, you know, so. Uh, I, I think that was kind of his thesis statement for the movie, but I will agree that, uh, it maybe didn't show just the pure joy, uh, mm-hmm. that performing improv in front of a crowd, uh, can bring. Um, but that's a good choice. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. Can we, uh, can we stop here? Let's, let's stop. <laughs> Cause it's about our, to get way gross. <laughs> there's our best of 2016. Chris Gethard, the number 10 performance of the year. Thanks for tuning in guys. <laughs> That's it. What's yours? My number 10 performance. I'm going to go with uh, a plucky young newcomer named Denzel Washington. Yeah. Uh, for the movie Fences. Yeah. Um, Denzel, easily one of my top five actors of all time. Uh, and, and he directed this movie as well. Mm-hmm. And it's a very stagey movie. I mean, it's an yeah. adaptation of the August Wilson play. Which, and, and on top of that, he also, they did this on Broadway. Yeah. So he, it was he like. And the, the whole cast, right? Yeah. Pretty much. So it wasn't just, um, it wasn't just that he 
you know, got the material and it was a play. It was like, no, he had already spent years <laughs> invested in this as a play. And so I think it blurs a little bit for me in terms of how good of a film it is. Yeah. Um, because it doesn't feel very cinematic. But no doubt about the performance. Yeah, all the performances are incredible. Yeah. I have more to say about it later on my list. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just think... I mean, a lot of this movie is just this character doing long monologues mm -hmm. and diatribes. I mean, he talks a lot. Mm -hmm. um, he's a former uh, Negro League baseball player who kind of had his career before they let uh, blacks into the uh, major leagues. So he's mm -hmm. very bitter about that. Um, you know, he's kind of working a dead end job and just struggling to, uh, you know, keep his family afloat uh and he's got all this bitterness most of which is directed at his teenage son yeah and they just have these kind of heartbreaking uh tension mm -hmm. <laughs> between them um i we may do mild spoilers for some of these movies but consider this is different than regular craigslist where we're talking about in some cases movies yeah, that have been out for 50 right, right. years so uh i'm sure that if you guys have not seen some of these movies you're planning on seeing them within the next couple of weeks so I, we won't really uh I don't want to spoil anything. Right. We'll do our uh, best. Plots if, of these movies. If we do spoil anything, it's purely on accident. <laughs> we apologize. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's move but on. But it's, yeah, it, it leads to just a heartbreaking conclusion. Yeah. And then it's, uh, but it's all set up by just how well Denzel in, inhabits this guy. I agree. What's your number nine performance of the year? Um, Peter Sarsgaard and Jackie. <laughs> Interesting. He plays Bobby Kennedy, right? I thought he was amazing. <laughs> when he walked on screen, I was like, what the F is this? This is going to be terrible. And then he was so good and believable. And he doesn't really look like Bobby Kennedy. Right. But when, when He's the tall, camera, right? <laughs> yeah. But when the camera is far away, it looks like Bobby Kennedy. It's really weird. And he sounds like I would expect him to sound. He's, he's very, um, yeah, he, he just like I was I think he's on my list because I was surprised by how much I how much I enjoyed his performance. Peter Sarsgaard is just a very versatile He really actor. is. Like and I never think that until I see him in something and I'm like, oh yeah, that guy, he does everything. He really does disappear into his roles and he's played good guys, bad yeah. guys, you know, ambiguous <laughs> guys. Mm -hmm. You know, he's he's really got a great range and there's not like you can't say of like, oh, that's the Peter Sarsgaard type. The scene where he is talking with Jackie about the legacy that the Kennedys are going to have left now that John has been killed so early in his term. It's like, it's so heartbreaking and made me cry really a lot. Yeah. It was very moving and probably because there's so much going on politically right now too. Yeah. Um, it just felt like, whoa, the legacy to me of somebody who didn't live through the time feels enormous. And so for them to question it in that way, um, yeah, it just made me really think about politics <laughs> and, and the effect, the long-term effect that these politicians have over people's lives. Yeah. Uh, Kennedys. <laughs> we miss you. Uh, good job, Peter Sarsgaard. Good yeah. job, Carla. That's a good choice. Is it? You don't yeah. want to puke a little bit? No. Oh, Sarsgaard. Okay. Oh, Sarsgaard. <laughs> no, no, I thought he was great. Puke-worthy things coming up. Uh, I thought maybe. he was great. Uh, my number nine performance is uh, one of the most acclaimed performances of the year. Probable winner for Best Supporting Actor, Mahershala Ali for Moonlight. Yes. 
I'm going to guess he's somewhere on your list. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, I have him at number nine. It's tough. These are 10 really good performances. I think if anything, it's because his role is relatively small. Mm-hmm. Um, Moonlight uh, is told in three different parts, and he's only in the first part. Mm-hmm. Spo- spoiler, I guess. <laughs> uh, but that it's amazing, actually – that he's such the front runner for supporting actor considering he's only in the first third of the movie, which means that he really kind of carries this movie and he's really kind of the heart of it. He is, I think. Yeah. And there's very little dialogue in this movie period. And he's has very little dialogue, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's him kind of taking this young kid under his wing. He's a drug dealer in Mm -hmm. Miami. um, But he just projects such empathy Mm-hmm. Um, and he just has such like an interesting internal life going on, mm-hmm. um, that instantly you're just drawn in, uh, by his performance and the very, uh, uh, here's more of a, a spoiler. Uh, so stop listening if you haven't seen Moonlight and you're playing seeing, but I got to talk about this. Uh, the last moment that you see him in the movie is, uh, the kid is kind of confronting him. Um, the, the kid who hasn't really spoken that much is like, uh, do you sell drugs? And he goes, yeah. He goes, you sell, <laughs> you sell drugs to my mama. And, uh, Mahershala Ali just like, <laughs> I'm crying because it's so powerful. Yeah. He just like hangs his head in shame. Yeah. He can't even talk to this kid. He can't even admit, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, how ashamed he is about this, but as you see, how much he carries all that weight right. uh, of the pain that brought him to that place, which kind of sets up the future for uh, Chiron, who's the the main character of the the movie. Yeah, it's a really powerful performance, and it, he does such an incredible job, as well as the director and the writer, of in the limited amount of time that he's on screen, giving him so much to do and so many different emotions to play. Like he's not just the drug dealer that we see in every movie. He's also this drug dealer who's trying to help this kid, this drug dealer who has like this domestic life with this woman that seems really happy. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Then we do see him like as the tough uh, drug dealer on the streets, like in it's only like you said, it's only the first third of the movie and he shows just this incredible range and it really makes him a, a person, not just, um, you know, a stereotype. It's real. He, yeah, really well done. Yeah. And he's also in hidden figures playing completely different characters. So, mm-hmm. you know, he gets to show some range as well. Okay. Number eight, number eight performance, Carla, Woody Harrelson, the edge of 17. <laughs> he was great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think we both had mixed feelings about that movie. We think yeah. we wanted it to be better, yeah, but I the best, be best parts of it are definitely his scenes with, uh, Haley Steinfeld. Totally. Yeah, he's kind of a uh a jaded uh high school history teacher, yeah. right? And she's like the troubled girl in his class who like kind of sees him as a father figure and tries to open up to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you enjoy about Woody's performance? And again, I think this has something to do with the writing and directing as well. Um but it's just not a typical teacher student performance by any means. Like he is her mentor, but he kind of treats her like shit. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like he calls her out on her bullshit 
and she has all these ideas about who he is. And then again, spoiler alert, fast forward this part. I won't give it all away, but <laughs> when you see what his real life is at the end, it's nothing at all like you expect it to be. Yeah. Because he's very bitter, not bitter, but he just seems over teaching. Like he's just not, uh, he's not one of those teachers who's going to stay after school and like, <laughs> help you with your homework or whatever he's not the teacher from the movies right you know he's probably just it's it's a job and he's he does it he does a decent job at it but it's also like he's uh it's not his end all and be all yeah totally uh it's just really fun it's just a surprising take on a teacher student relationship in a in a movie which is it essentially is a, a, a kid's movie or a teenager movie you know yeah um uh yeah without having it felt real like i i watched um 10 things i hate about you not too long ago sure and heath ledger and uh yeah and so there's this weird like principal who's like writing smutty novels uh-huh. <laughs> or then i was watching uh easy a and like lisa kudrow's character like sleeps with her students so it's kind of like i don't know those are unusual teacher student relationships too but they feel so broad. Like the comedy is so broad that it doesn't feel real. They're trying too hard. Yeah. yeah. And so this one just in his, you know, point of view of like, Ugh, another student I have to deal with, you know, it just felt so much more real to me. Yeah. There are some writer directors who kind of make the choice of like, wouldn't it be funny if right. this, you know, but I think the, the movies I want to watch are more just like, hey, here's this guy and he, this is what he's like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He it's splits like you find a the- sandwich with her for lunch or whatever. Yeah. It's funny. It's just funny. Woody Harrelson always great at playing guys who are kind of dicks, but also kind of there's a heart in there too. Yeah. You know, that's kind of his wheelhouse. Plus, it was just nice to see him in something again. Yeah. Other than a Hunger Games movie. Right. Oh, I forgot he was in those. We never finished Hunger Games. Mm-mm. I will though one day. <laughs> one day. What's your number eight? Uh, here's another performance of a character who's somewhat uh, ambiguous and uh, well played by a uh, iconic actor, John Goodman in Ten Cloverfield Lane. Oh, I agree. Yeah, that's a real good pick. Yeah, and I, I kind of thought when this movie came out early in the year, I thought he was so good that he would attract some awards attention at, at the end. But I think John Goodman is just one of those actors who's so taken for granted because he's so amazing in everything. And and he's got way more of a range than people give him credit for. Oh, uh, yeah. I think people give him credit for it. Think so? Know. Yeah. I, I mean, guess so. I think he's he's a respected actor. <clears throat> oh, he definitely is. But uh, But he's only ever been nominated for one Oscar, and that was for Argo. Hmm. Uh, <coughs> spoiler alerts for Craig's list. The one of my favorite performances of all time is a John Goodman performance, and that we'll be covering that much later. And it's in a, a Coen a, Brothers movie, right? It is in a Coen Brothers movie. Um, but yeah, in this movie, um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead uh kind of wakes up in this bunker, and there's this guy uh who's kind of creepy but kind of sweet, uh, and you don't. You know, uh, she thinks that he's holding her hostage. Turns out there's another guy in the bunker as well. And, uh, he insists that there's danger out there and they can't go out. And so they're kind of stuck there in the bunker. And the whole movie kind of hinges on the tension created by Goodman's performance yeah. there that you're not sure exactly what his deal is or what his motivations are. And, uh, you know, he, he takes this guy who's, 
pretty creepy at times, but also seems like he has their best interests yeah. uh, in mind. <clears throat> and uh, I won't spoil more of the movie, but I think uh, it's great because of Goodman. Awesome. And Mary Elizabeth Winston, who's always good. Yep. That's a good pick. Number seven. I'm not sure if I'm going to say his name properly, but it's Sonny Pawar. Sonny Pawar. I believe so. Yeah. From Lion. This is a five-year-old kid, right? Yeah. He's the little boy in Lion who gets, who gets lost uh, in India and ends up, um, being sent to Australia by an orphanage to live with uh, a couple in Australia. Yeah. I had him as an honorable mention because I thought it was one of the best juvenile performances that I've ever seen. Like, I'm surprised he's not on your list. Cause that's all you could talk about. after. I thought it. he was so great. Um, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I made sure, uh, Jacob Tremblay in room was uh, pretty unforgettable right. last year, but, uh, Again, like this whole movie hinges on you falling in love with this kid and caring about what happens to him. And, uh, it's so difficult to find a, a kid who's that expressive and that real. Yeah. I agree. There's the scene when he's in the bathtub and Nicole Kidman, who's playing his, uh, adopted mother, um, is bathing him and she's saying how, uh, when he's ready to tell her what happened and how he got lost, she would always listen. And the way that he looks at her, it's just so heartbreaking. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's amazing. That's a good movie. Good job, Sonny Pawar. Okay, seven for you. Uh, you didn't see this movie. Okay, so I'm going to care a lot then. <coughs> of course I will. It's uh, Tom Hanks as uh, Captain Chesley Sully Sullenberger. That's right. I forgot. I missed that one too. I didn't see that movie. We've either. got it on our Netflix queue. We'll, uh, we'll, I'll show it to you sometime soon. Uh, this movie was surprisingly good for me. Like I, I was interested in seeing it regardless, but to me, it really captures. I mean, this is one I can spoil because everybody knows the story of Sully, right? Mm-hmm. The guy who landed the plane in the, uh, the Hudson, but it really kind of takes you through just a mundane flight. You know, I think it was a flight from like New York to Charlotte, maybe just like an hour and a half flight on a January day. Mm-hmm. And it kind of takes you through just the steps of just like that you do all the time, just getting on an airplane, checking your bags, all the different people who are on it. And you really kind of realize how your fate is in the hands of all these hardworking people every yeah. day, you know, of just how delicate uh, a balance it is. And Tom Hanks is America's sweetheart, uh, mm-hmm. of course, of like nobody is better at projecting just like basic like decency and competence mm-hmm. than Tom Hanks. And it's one of my favorite performances by him. Not Captain Phillips territory, um, but damn good. Um, I think you'll, uh, whether I'm sure you, I'll like it, you'll definitely like his performance in it. Yeah. Regardless. I love Tom Hanks. I'm so on board with everything that he does. <laughs> I really am. Yeah. Captain Phillips. That was the one from just a couple years ago, right? Yeah. That's has one of the best scenes he's ever, ever. Done. Yeah. And the, he was not nominated for that, which seems crazy. It's insane. The, it's the, the scene at the end after when he's in shock. Yeah. yeah when he's in shock and there he's with the nurses and he just breaks down and it is the, the best piece of acting I've ever seen. Masterclass. <laughs> Masterclass. We agree. Yeah. All right. We agree on so much of this stuff. Not usually. <laughs> no, we do. When we go to see movies, we 
typically agree. Yeah, it's it's interesting of like there's something about uh in in general I would say our movie tastes line up 80% of the time. Yeah. You know? And then even when we disagree, you know, we don't disagree wildly most right. of the time. And I think you have a good sense of what things you will just not see. Yeah. You know, and maybe some of those things are on my hundred favorite list. Right. You know, um, but there's, there's something about when you get into my 100 favorites, then you're getting the things that are very kind of personal. Uh, yeah. there's a personal connection on in some way that you just are not going to feel. Okay. Number six. Number six. Greta Gerwig in Jackie and 20th Century Women. What? You can't cheat like that. Sure I can. If I okay. watch a four-hour French movie next week, I can <laughs> cheat like that. Um, you know, that's something that film critics do a lot is when they award their uh, actor of the year, they combine different performances. So it's more about rather than awarding them for one movie, it's about, hey, this actor was great in these three or four things this year. What? Well, thought she showed a real versatility this year with both of those performances. I probably liked 20th century women's performance better because she got to do more. But I just – it feels like she – and I don't know her, so I have no idea. But it feels like <laughs> she was like, I want to do stuff that people would be surprised by. And she really achieved that with those two roles. Yeah, because kind of in her Noah Baumbach uh, movies, she has like a definite Greta Gerwig vibe. And right. also in that other movie with Ethan Hawke and Julianne Moore yes. that we saw. Maggie's Plan. Maggie's Plan. Yeah. That, that's more like the typical Greta Gerwig. Yeah, but it seems like she's she's – breaking out of that box a little bit. Yeah. So she played um, Jackie Kennedy's secretary. And then she played a, uh, like a a 20 something in 20th century women, uh, a 20 something um, who was going through um, recovering from ovarian cancer. Yeah. Uh, But she's like, this is kind of a punk rocker. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. I liked both of those performances. So I gave it, I gave her number six. Okay. Uh, yeah, I thought the, just for ensemble cast, uh, 20th century women may have had my favorite ensemble mm. of the year. Cause it's like five, uh, great actors, um, and just five characters that you really care about. Yeah. And that movie is basically a, a hangout movie. You know, it's just like, let's just delve in the lives of these five characters who the writer director, Mike Mills has thought about a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and just really well cast too um yeah i liked her in that um my number six is uh casey affleck from manchester by the sea (laughs) (laughs) what is that reaction no i'm just kidding you're allowed uh yeah definitely one of the more acclaimed performances of the year it seems like that uh denzel took the sag award Benny, (laughs) benny stop what, you don't like Casey Affleck, Ben? Benny, who do you think should be best actor? Who should be best actor, Ben? Mm-hmm. Rigo Mortensen. <laughs> <laughs> really? That's an odd choice. Okay. Oh, Benny liked Captain Fantastic, I guess. Benny. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. Benny, that was that weird movie where they dug up their mother's body. Spoilers. Well, you can spoiler a movie that's as shitty as Captain Fantastic. <laughs> Remember, Benny, we were on board with that movie and then they dug up the mother's body and had a party and we were like, what the fuck is going on? In and this they movie? all sang uh, Sweet Child yes! of Mine. <laughs> yeah. Strange. Love Viggo Mortensen did not care for that no. movie. 
Um, but I did like Manchester by the Sea quite a bit, and uh, Casey Affleck is fantastic in it. A lot of movies this year about kind of dealing with grief mm-hmm. uh, or characters who are kind of uh, suffering in silence. And uh, this is another performance where there's not a lot of dialogue. There's just kind of like this inner life going on and this kind of like barely uh, repressed rage mm-hmm. going on. Um, definitely, this is a movie that we can't spoil uh, if you haven't seen it. Just know that it's really fucking sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I think he just brings a lot of uh, gravitas. I didn't it. love it. Uh-huh. It was Okay. Not in your top 10? Not in my top 10. <laughs> okay. I mean, I appreciated the craft of it. You know, uh, the, the acting is great. Um, but yeah, too sad. <laughs> too sad for Carla? Too sad for Carla. Yeah. And it seems like uh, his star is fading a kind bit. Kind of boring. Kind of boring? Like it was interesting, then boring for a while, and then really, really sad. Yeah. <laughs> I would guess that Denzel is now the front runner for uh, best actor uh, because I think people are reluctant to vote for Casey Affleck because of his sexual harassment suit. Right. So that's understandable. Def- yeah. Uh, okay, my number five. Are we moving on? Yeah. My number five is Emma Stone for La La Land. La La Land. And I didn't love this movie as much as you did. Uh, or like it as much, I should say. I loved it. Yeah. But I thought that she was really, I thought both she and Ryan Gosling were really great, but I'm giving her this spot because of her solo that she sings. Yes. Um, audition, I believe is audition. the name of the song. Yeah. When she's yeah. auditioning for her big part and she sings a solo, it broke my heart into a million pieces and I cried really hard and it was very effective. And so that's why she has uh, this spot on my list. Yeah, I would say that Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone are kind of uh, movie stars of the first order. Mm-hmm. And it's a rare kind of quality to have these days. And so I think that's why they were well cast in this movie because mm-hmm. uh, they do kind of like harken back to another era. I don't think either of them are the most versatile uh, <laughs> actors in the world, but they're both very good at – doing the uh, the vibe that they're good at and uh yeah i would say that she just missed my top 10 list for um, the year is la la land in your top 10 it sure is okay we can talk about it okay we'll talk about it more later uh that was number five yep my number five we're gonna stay with manchester by the sea oh and we're gonna go for a little michelle williams oh, i thought you were gonna say kyle chandler <laughs> kyle chandler I, I love kyle chandler yeah <laughs> uh yeah she's great She's always great. I don't know. She's getting to the point where it's like, she's always great. So boring. She's so great. Just like Meryl, right? He's getting there. Yeah. (laughs) She is kind of the best American actress of her generation. Which is amazing because I remember the Dawson Creek days. (laughs) Now, was she not particularly amazing in Dawson's Creek? She was fine. She was good. But it was like all about Katie Holmes, that show. Uh Uh-huh. And so I would never have seen never it. ever guessed. Never seen an fast episode. Fast forward 15 years into the future that Michelle Williams would be one of the top actresses in Hollywood and rightfully so she's wonderful. Um but it's just surprising when I think about 
watching Dawson's Creek. And she takes on really difficult roles mm-hmm. too, you know, like to, to play Marilyn Monroe is kind of a yeah. thank, thankless job. And she, she was great. She did a fantastic yeah. job with that. Uh, she does a lot of indies and writer director movies. Uh, again, I can't spoil Manchester, but she's another actor who's in it very little. I think maybe she has three or four total scenes. Yeah. Uh, you see her in flashback and you see her in the present day. And the movie kind of builds to a scene with her and Casey Affleck where things that had been unsaid, uh, between them kind of, uh, explode out. And, uh, yeah, uh, she's just devastating in it. We'll, uh, we'll I break like your heart. Manchester by the sea is something I need to watch again in a couple years. Mm-hmm. Because my opinion of that scene, it felt manipulative in a way that I didn't approve of. <laughs> uh, she was amazing in it. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like, she definitely made me cry, but I felt like I was forced to cry. Mm. And I also didn't understand why she was saying some of the things that she was saying because they didn't give us any information between when the event happened and when he sees her again, really. Yeah. Good job, Michelle. Where are we? Number four. Julian Dennison. Do you know who this is? I don't even know who that is. Hunt for the Wilder People. Oh, is that the kid? <laughs> the little boy in it. Oh, he's so great. He was so great. <laughs> Remember how hard we were laughing? Yeah. Oh. I mean, there's a lot of heavy fucking movies this year and a lot of tears. Uh, but if you want, and actually it has some sad or moving parts as well, yeah. as silly of a movie it is. But if you want to laugh your ass off, uh, Hunt for the Wilder People, people, I really recommend. It actually is my number 11 movie of the year, so uh, it just missed my top 10. Sam Neill. Uh, well, I have in parentheses next to Julian's name, Sam Neill, Reese Darby, because Reese Darby made me laugh oh, so Reece hard Darby's I couldn't so, breathe. So good. And, and then Rima to Wiata? Wiata, I think it's her. I don't know. Um, she played the Sam Neill's wife. Yes. Yeah. She was wonderful. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. That's kind of a mention for all of them. The director is, uh, I think his name is Taika Watiti. Uh, he's a New Zealand director and he also wrote and directed and stars <laughs> in What We Do in the Shadows, which we just it's rewatched so recently. And that movie is funny as shit. Yeah. And Reese Darby is honestly one of the funniest men in oh the, my God. the world. Like, I, I'm going to start laughing just thinking about it. Yeah. He's so, and he plays like a conspiracy theorist weirdo who lives alone. Yeah. Uh, in this movie and hunt for the wilder people. And it is just absurd. It's so like the movies. Well, we'll talk about it in a little bit. Uh, but why the, why the kid in particular? Cause he just, he, he ties everything together. He like walks that level between being totally broad comedically and then has really sweet heartfelt moments and that's what the whole movie is the tone is all over the place and he does such a great job of holding it together yeah and you just you know i don't know he it's just such a memorable performance it feels like whenever you hear from uh writer directors about casting kids in movies they're always like we looked we looked we looked for months and then this kid came in we just knew it was him and i don't remember if that's the story with this kid but it feels like when you find that person you just know Mm -hmm. you know and it takes a particular kind of like charisma and just it's so hard i don't know how old the kid is 11 12 maybe to like have that level of like personal comfort to that age to be able to pull off a performance like that is uh is impressive yeah, see Hunt for the Wilder People, really fun movie. 
Number four for you? Uh, let's stay with Fences for Viola Davis. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, I, I think I'm really focusing on these heavy movies <laughs> with intense uh, husband-wife relationships. Ooh, you know? Maybe I'm working out some shit, you know, because we have fights like that, right? But there is a scene in Fences when they have uh, they have a fight, and uh, watching her in that scene, I'm just like, oh well, yeah, she's winning the Oscar. Of like, yeah. there is just no doubt, you know. She's got amazing snot. Snot. Yeah. Okay. Like, please, please expand on that. Her snot just hangs, <laughs> and it's like it almost feels like she's like, all right, snot. Like she has a talk to it before the camera starts to roll. Here's here's how this will be most effective. You'll come out like halfway through this first line, and then by the end, you'll just be a string hanging off my nose, Oscar. <laughs> well, she learned from Meryl. She learned from the best. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I don't think enough Stop about. I'm trying to get digs in about Meryl. I'm not getting digs yeah, in about Meryl. Are. She's great. Hey, is she in your top three for Florence Foster Jenkins? You'll see. Okay. <laughs> bloop, bloop, bloop. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't really think about the role that snot plays in an actor's, uh, efficacy. <laughs> efficacy. <laughs> I'm going to write that one down. Uh, but yeah, she is definitely winning the, uh, the Oscar and, uh, she's just got, she's a powerhouse. It's, it's a great performance. Number three. Oh, it's my turn. This one's really hard. Um, I have the whole cast of Moonlight and number three, the whole cast of Moonlight. Yeah. But if you're going to make me pick one, then Mahershala Ali. Yeah. But I also, Really loved Andre Holland, who played Trevor as an adult. Yeah. And Trevante Rhodes, who played um, the main kid as an adult. Yeah. Uh, like, their whole sequence blew me away at the diner. Like, it was just incredible. Yeah. Um, and then Naomi Harris, who she, plays the mom. Yeah, she's Oscar nominated as... Uh, I feel like... I mean, I, I love Viola Davis, but I feel like I would like for Naomi Harris to win. Ooh, yeah, that's that's a great performance as uh, his drug addicted mom, mm-hmm. and uh, she's the only actor that we see in all three sequences, yeah. right? So she kind of uh, maybe Janelle Monae or just oh yeah, yeah, we see Janelle Monae too, or no, we see her in the first two, maybe. Um, yeah, and I think that's a good call of doing the whole ensemble there because. Um, you know, you've got three different actors playing the lead character three different times in his life, you know. Yeah. Uh, they're not dead ringers for each other, but you really believe that it's the same yeah. character, you know, which is impressive. And that's how well Barry Jenkins, the writer director, kind of holds it, uh, all together. Yeah. I voted for Moonlight for the SAG Ensemble Award, uh, went to Hidden Figures, which wasn't a bad, uh, pick, but to me, like Moonlight, uh, hands down, hands yeah. down, best ensemble. Of the year. What's your number three? Uh, you haven't seen this. Amy Adams in Arrival. I have not. Shocking. Shocking that she was omitted from the best actress category. And uh, maybe it's just like a little Amy Adams fatigue. Yeah, maybe. You know, she's been nominated many times. Hasn't won yet. I, I was so sure when I saw this movie of like, oh, this is her year. Really? Um, And it's another case where one actor just like holds the movie together and makes you invest in the story and, and mm. what's happening to her. Um, yeah, I, uh, I really don't want to 
spoil any. It, it's actually a movie with a lot of that's very easy to spoil because it's uh, it, it's so crazy. Yeah, <laughs> the plot of it. Um, but uh, I said yeah, like I knew. I don't know. I uh, yeah, watch it yet. yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but she she makes you care. She's real good. Okay, number two on my list is Denzel Washington for Fences. Oh yeah. Here's the thing about this movie, you guys. I did not want to see this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to hate it. And I, and I didn't love it. Uh-huh. I did not love this movie. I got so, there's a scene, a spoiler, where, and it's a scene that you were talking about before, where he has it out with his son, mm-hmm. right before he kicks his son out of the house. And I got so angry. I balled up my fist and I started hitting my other fist with my left hand because I was so furious with Denzel Washington's character. <laughs> and I hated him and I just started hitting my other fist because I was, I could not like channel the energy of rage and I scared the dogs off the couch. And I finished the movie and I was like, ugh. And then I couldn't stop thinking about it for a week. Wow. I couldn't stop thinking about Denzel Washington as much as I hated him in that movie, hated his character, excuse me, in that movie. It was so effective and very moving. And it just brought up a lot of thoughts about, you know, parents and becoming parents and your connection to them and trying to not be your parents, but inevitably you become your parents. Oh, yeah. And then just, you know, just the, the sadness of, working class and like having to do these jobs that you hate and dreams that you had as a younger person. And oh, it's just, it, it hit all the things it hit all the things. And I don't, I still don't, it's not in my top 10 movies because it's not a, it's not cinematically. It's not very interesting. I don't think, but the performances are incredible. And Denzel Washington is just, it's probably the most real performance for me of the year. Wow. Yeah. Good call. Um, yeah, if you're looking for a, uh, a good double feature about misplaced testosterone and baseball, might I recommend <laughs> Fences and Everybody Wants Some? Right. <laughs> because, double feature. Uh, because they, they kind of have the same themes, but completely different expressions. Yeah. Everybody Wants Some is the Richard Linklater. Richard Linklater movie, uh, about a bunch of baseball players living in a, uh, off-campus house in the, in 1980. 1980, I think. Yeah. yeah. Which is based on his own, uh, life being a baseball player in, uh, in college. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it really is about like, um, being a man, yeah. you know, uh, fences. <laughs> oh, uh, he does and, some despicable, he says and does despicable things in this movie. Yeah. But it's very moving. <laughs> He's great. He's Denzel really great. Washington is the best actor of all time period what do you know that there's a podcast called i think it's the best damn actor of all time period really yeah there's a podcast where they discuss his roles and oh, it's called funny. that yeah it's on earwolf uh my number two performance of the year is uh one of my favorite actors mr jeff bridges in hell or high water mm-hmm. yeah it, he was good in it uh yeah, it's uh he and uh Michael Shannon kind of duking it out for the uh Texas Lawman Acting Award yeah. of the year. They're both nominated for supporting actor playing basically the same character. Right. <laughs> uh but come on, guys, Jeff Bridges uh just so fucking good. Uh and 
this movie has great dialogue in it. Uh, it's got great moments of comedy, but when he needs to bring the, uh, the pathos, mm. uh, he really does. And, uh, the final scene between him and Chris Pine, who's uh, another one of the best actors working today, is uh, just one of the one of those great final scenes of a movie. And it was a movie that I liked the whole way through, but when you see the final scene, it kind of pushes it over the top to greatness. And um, Jeff Bridges also has a really fun uh, relationship with his partner, uh, who's like a Latino uh, Native American guy. Uh, and that's one of the more moving aspects of, uh, of that movie as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Number one. I think we have the same number one. Do we? Let's see it on the count of three. One, one two, two, three. three. Annette, Annette Benning and 20th yes! Century Women. Woo-hoo! Yes. Hands down. Hands down. Best performance of the year. Yes. And what the hell Academy Award bullshit? Fuck you, Oscars. Like that. <laughs> blew my mind that she was not nominated what the thick are we even talking about she's so good i think she probably did not campaign that hard or i don't (sighs) know who knows what the politics are i know they love warren Beatty. they've nominated her multiple times before this really is the performance of her career oh my gosh it's so amazing I just noticed you have two actors from Jackie, but not Natalie Portman. Um, she's on my honorable mentions list. Yeah. Tough omission. It was a tough one, but let's talk about Annette first. Yes. Uh, what did you love about it? Man, just, uh, <laughs> just how many levels and layers there were and just, I, you just don't see that many characters like that on the big screen of a middle-aged woman with that much of a, uh, interesting interior life. Uh-huh. And I think it's cause, you know, uh, it's semi autobiographical. We actually went to, uh, when we saw it at Arclight, we saw Mike Mills and Elle Fanning talk about it afterwards. And it was really interesting to get his insight on his movie. So it's, uh, it's kind of a composite of women he's known, but it's basically to honor his mother, you know, mm-hmm. in all of her complexity. And I don't know, she can just break your heart one minute and then really make you laugh the next minute. Like she's got like a a lot of like great biting one liners in this. And it's just the character is so interesting just because of her approach to child rearing. Mm -hmm. Um, she's got this teenage son, uh, but she's kind of enlisting these younger women to help raise him because she feels like she doesn't understand him or she doesn't understand this, uh, this generation. And Mike Mills' storytelling is really interesting too. Mm-hmm. Um, so like uh, some of it is told via voiceover and you kind of find out the characters narrate what happens in their future and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So yeah. And it's a movie where nothing really happens. You know, it's, it's not a plot driven movie, but you, you feel like you can hang out with these characters for hours and really care about them. And I think that's what she brings to it. Do you want to hear my version of that now? Yeah. <laughs> This is such a great performance because this is a woman who's complicated and she's not likable, but she's not unlikable. She has uh, neuroses, but she's also very practical and she is the driving force of the film. She's not just being affected by the men in her life. Mm. She's the one who's setting the standard for what's happening in her life and she's dictating how her life goes. And that's why I loved it. She starts the whole movie with 
her, you know, her son is out of control. And then so instead of like just grounding him or just getting upset with him, she asks all the other people in her life to help raise her kid for her. <laughs> but it's such an active choice. It's not passive. She's still like involved and she wants to, um, help him grow, not just based on like her own experience, but by her community. It's so active. That's why it's so great. Yeah. She is very, she's a very active, forward moving character who's not just, you know, being affected by the events or the men around her. Good call. Yeah. And it's, uh, one of the reasons why the movie is so entertaining is it's a, uh, it's a cast full of oversharers. Yeah. <laughs> so like it's all these, uh, characters kind of oversharing. <laughs> Right. At moments and like the bluntness of them is, is really well used for comedic effect. And she says what she's thinking, which is really effective. Yeah. As well. Uh, there's a, um, I guess this is a little bit of a spoiler, but she has a crush on this man who lives with them, played by Billy Crudup, who's like fixing up their house. And he starts sleeping with Greta Gerwig, mm-hmm. but she's like fine with it. Yeah. Because he's younger than her, uh, younger than Annette Benning. But then he tries to kiss her later and she's like, why are you doing that? <laughs> uh, aren't you sleeping with what's her face? And he's like, oh, uh, yeah. She's just like, why would you do that? I mean, she just is very – she's just like uh, – she's just making choices constantly in the film. And she doesn't put up with any bullshit. And she doesn't put up with bullshit. Yeah. It's a really great character. And it's just nice to see um, – and, and I read – I was reading – and you might have read this too. It might have been in the New Yorker article about Mike Mills. Was there a New Yorker article? Or, yeah. 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 Um, where he was saying his first couple drafts were were more about like the absent father or about the kid, the boy, but it was called 20th Century Women. And so his wife, Miranda July, was like, uh, this is a movie called 20th Century Women, so make it about the women. And, and it is. <laughs> Ultimately, that's what he did. Yeah. It's about three women in this little boy's life who um, are – making choices. Yeah. You know, I, I happen to love the Oscars. Uh, I really do. I've had kind of a love hate relationship with it, but ultimately I err on the side of loving the Oscars because it's one of the things that made me fall in love with movies and great movies Mm -hmm. and movies that aspire to greatness. But every year there's always a few performances that are more about the marketing or the lobbying for that movie. And those performances are kind of forgotten. And I feel like, Sure, she didn't get the nomination, but 20 years from now, like people are going to be looking at this performance as one of the crowning glories of uh, of a great career, and people are going to remember this character for a long time. Yeah, I think so too. All right, Annette, if you were listening, <laughs> we crown you. Yeah, we know you listen to things. every other episode. I don't know if you if if you're not tuning into this one because it's a uh, uh, bonus episode, but uh, <laughs> hope you're there, Annette. All right. So what are your honorable mentions for performance? I think we kind of covered some of them because I had Sonny Pawar. I had the cast of Moonlight. I yeah. had the cast of 20th Century Women. Yeah. I wanted to mention Janelle Monet just because she's one of my favorite singers and uh, debuted in two movies this year in Hidden Figures. And uh, it was great in both of them. And Moonlight was great in both of them. She yeah. was kind of my favorite character in Hidden Figures, actually. Uh, I loved Michael Shannon in Nocturnal Animals. Uh, I want to mention the cast of Everybody Wants Some as well for great ensemble acting. And uh, I want to single out uh, Parker Sawyers, who played Barack Obama in Southside with You. Oh. 
There were two Barack Obama movies this year. Barry. Barry and Southside with You. They were both okay. They're both worth watching. Yeah. Uh, and the other guy who plays him in Barry does a decent job as well. And he does a little more, uh, of an Obama impression. And, uh, <laughs> and Parker Sawyer kind of does that, but you really, I think he really captures the spirit of the guy. And when you see him, uh, the kind of crucial scene is him doing a community organization, you know, rally where he kind of like, uh, draws the focus of the crowd and makes everybody feel good and that, that they're all going to get what they want to out of this issue. And, uh, it's, uh, I mean, it's so tough to inhabit, uh, a real person who's so, yeah. uh, who's currently on our mind a lot. Yes. Uh, Mr. Obama. Uh, but, uh, but he did a fantastic job in that movie, which is just okay. Okay. <laughs> Mine are uh, Natalie Portman and Jackie, who should be in my top ten list because I, I did think she was really great. But I just wanted to make it a little more interesting, give some variety. Sure. You went for some deeper cuts from Jackie. Went for some deeper cuts. Um, I, a lot of I've heard a lot of feedback that it's an over the top performance and that she sounds weird. And I, when I and I have I I have watched the the tour that Jackie O did. For CBS, was yes, it? of the White House, and so, and it had been a couple of years since I had seen it, and then when I put Jackie the movie on and saw Natalie Portman, I was like, oh my god, that's Jackie O right it's, there, it's <laughs> like note, that is how she sounded. It's note perfect. She was that mannered. Yeah, that's how she looked. How, that's how she sounded. I thought she was amazing. Um, so I definitely think she um is uh, uh, appropriately up for the Academy Award for Best Actress. Um, then I also have Emily Blunt for Girl on a Train. Yeah. She's it's, great. It's a bad movie, but bad she's movie, really good, good in performance. It. Um, I have Kyle Chandler and Lucas Hedges for Manchester by the Sea. Really? So you went for deeper cuts there too? Yeah. yeah. Just because I felt like Michelle Williams and what's his face had more showy ro- roles, but these two were the ones who like really grounded the whole piece. Yeah. You really have to understand Casey Affleck's character's relationship with his brother Kyle Chandler in order to sympathize or empathize. And then Lucas Hedges, who plays Kyle Chandler's son, that scene where he's going through the freezer and there's like meat in the freezer. Yeah. And he freaks out was just as effective to me as the Michelle Williams scene. Yeah. So that's why I put those two. Cool. And then I have Hugh Grant for Florence Foster Jenkins. Yeah, I really enjoyed him in that. I thought he was great. And I am a huge Meryl Streep fan. And I thought Hugh Grant was just as good, if not better, yeah. than uh, Meryl Streep. And um, I also have Aaron Taylor Johnson for Nocturnal Animals. Wow. And you you really did not care for I that really movie. I really hated that movie. But I think a big part of the reason was because I hated him. He's <laughs> really scary. He's really scary in it. So yeah. I guess that's effective. Yeah. Okay. Let's get into some movies. I think we've probably talked about most of these movies already. You go first this time. Okay. Uh, my number 10 movie for the year is 10 Cloverfield Lane. Mine too. Really? Yeah. Great minds. I liked that movie a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you want, uh, a movie with a, uh, with a female lead who, uh, spoilers ends up kicking some ass. Yeah. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, it, it does kind of keep you guessing. You're not sure where it's headed. And especially if you haven't, and Cloverfield, by the way, the, uh, which this is a loose, very loose sequel to, not a very good movie. 
but the element that 10 Cloverfield Lane keeps from that uh, that makes it kind of a sequel is really kind of cool and yeah. interesting. Agreed. I didn't even see Cloverfield. I don't, or I don't think I saw all of it. I think I saw parts of it. Yeah. No, I just thought it was really surprising. And my, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time and I was, you know, the opening, the opening indicates a different movie. And so I was not on board for like the first 10 minutes that I was sitting there, but you kept saying, you're going to like this, Carly, you're going to like this. Yeah. And you were right, Craig Kukowski. <laughs> I did end up liking it. I know my wife. Cause in the beginning, she, this isn't a spoiler. This is happens right away. She gets kidnapped basically. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, Oh great. Now I have to watch another movie about a woman being kidnapped and like tortured. What are you doing to me? Uh, but it's a, a definite flip on that whole story. Yeah. And some good laughs in there too. And it's funny too. Yeah. yeah. Some, Absolutely. Some good scares. Some I can't good, believe we have the same number 10. Crazy. Uh, let's see if we have the whole same top okay. 10. My number nine movie is Sully. Is that yours? Nope. Oh, oh have, you didn't see it. I have a tie here. Can okay. Can I do that? <laughs> so 10 Cloverfield Lane, really number 11 then. Yeah. Okay. Your number, your tie is? Author, the JT Leroy story. Okay. And Amanda Knox. Okay, so you went for a couple of documentaries. Both of those documentaries uh, just lit my brain on fire. <laughs> They're both based on tr- – or they both are about true things. Yeah. <laughs> um, about two women <laughs> who are, are uh, ooh, villainized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in the media. And maybe – rightfully so, maybe not. Probably not with Amanda Knox, I'm thinking. Um and then <clears throat> when we've talked about these movies with people afterwards, I've had really in- interesting discussions with them uh, of other people who had seen these movies, specifically with Amanda Knox, where I walked away thinking she's totally innocent and then have spoken to other people who were like, oh, she totally did it. And I no, felt like I saw a completely different yeah. movie. But it's, I guess my point is in both of these films, um, I've had interesting discussions with people afterwards. Yeah. Well, I, I suppose uh- – I mean, if if you think that Amanda Knox did it, like I I don't know but what what you're I'm not going to say which of our of. friends said that. Really, but one of our friends definitely said that. Okay, but if it doesn't make you angry at the uh, the Italian police and at the British tabloid right. journalist of like those guys are two of the biggest pieces of shit you'll <laughs> ever see in your yeah. life, you know. So, uh, I, definitely justice was was not served. And JT Leroy's story, like, it's just a crazy story. It's a crazy story. You, I mean, if you only have a surfacey knowledge of it, which I kind of had, uh, you won't believe the extent, uh, to which they kept up this facade for years. So it's, uh, basically a woman who pretended to be a young, transgendered heroin addicted teen author. Right. And like release these books and initially, you know, didn't claim to be JT Leroy, but then it kind of snowballed into this thing. And then she was living as JT Leroy or no, she was living as JT Leroy's publicist or something or manager. And then had her sister-in-law playing JT Leroy in public. Like it was a crazy, crazy story. You guys should go watch it. If you haven't seen it already. Two, two great documentaries. Yeah. So you approve of those choices? I approve of those choices. And you can see why they would be shared. Yeah. I get it. Thematically. I get it. And I feel like Sully, I've already talked about. Yep. Number eight. Everybody wants some. I liked that movie a lot. Two exclamation points. Yeah. Are right there in the title. Yeah. Uh, it's, 
again, if like it's a movie about kind of misplaced testosterone and it's a hangout movie of just like you just want to hang out with these guys forever. And only Richard Linklater can kind of pull off like that level of charm. Yeah. You know, and there's something about kind of setting it in a nostalgic era of 1982, uh, 1980, comma, also. Uh, <laughs> that is interesting. I mean, definitely as an, as a, uh, a guy of my age, I found myself very nostalgic for the move, uh, for the music. Yeah, I bet. Uh, there's just a long. Oh, yeah, cause you started, we rewatched it the other night and Craig was, oh, can you sing the thing that you were singing? Can you do it? Well, there's a long scene where they're just driving around singing Rapper's Delight. Can you uh, do it? I said a hip hop, a hippie to the hippie, a hip hip rock, and you don't stop rocking to the bang bang boogie. He said up jump the boogie or the rhythm of the boogie to be. Say what you hear is not a test. I'm rapping to the beat. So that's Craig's quotes from when we were watching because he would not yeah. stop singing with There's me. a lot of songs that I ate. And I can't believe you know the whole song. That I, I don't know the whole song. It's a long song. Oh, is it? Yeah. But, uh, oh, there's a lot of music that really kind I really of takes liked me that back movie. to that era. Surprisingly, it's about a bunch of dudes who are like trying to get laid. Yeah. I mean, it's. But I liked it a lot. It's not that different from like a teen sex comedy of that era, you know? Uh, yeah, they're. I mean, there's some like uh, sexist dialogue, some yeah. homophobic dialogue, but you kind of get away with it because it's like, ah, it's these guys. This is what it's like in this era, you know, right. and it's kind of like done with a loving glance. Uh, well, I think you said it before. Them. It's charming. It's very charming. And Linklater just found a, a lot of really charismatic young actors, too. Yeah. Um, Glenn Powell, who plays Finn, I think is my favorite in it, who's the guy with the blonde hair and the light mustache. Yeah. And do you remember what other role he played in a uh, nope. popular movie this year? Nope. He played John Glenn in Hidden Figures. Oh, he's good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's kind of like, he's charming and charismatic in that, but in a completely, uh, different way. Yeah. And I thought the, uh, the two leads, uh, which are, uh, Blake Jenner, uh, who is not related to, uh, Caitlyn Jenner. Although you tried to convince me so hard that 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 was true. And Zoe Deutsch, who is the daughter of Leah Thompson. Yes. And a dead ringer for Leah Thompson. And then also Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn's son, who's a dead ringer for Kurt Russell is in it too. Who does he play? He's the guy with the beard who gets kicked off the team because he's 30 years old. Uh, he's the guy with the bong. Yeah. He's a young Kurt Russell. Ah, I didn't know that. Wyatt Russell. How funny. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, big Linklater fan and, uh, really love this movie. Awesome. What number are we on? Oh, that was my number eight. Your number eight is? My number eight is Bridget Jones's Baby. <laughs> what? <laughs> I did not see this, so I'm in no position. It is so I'm in good. No position to okay. Hear me out. <laughs> to criticize. Hear me out. I'm a giant Bridget Jones Diary fan. Okay. Like the first one. The second one is a mess. Not a, not a huge fan of the second one. The Edge of Reason. The Edge of Reason. But I saw it a few times because I really like Colin Firth a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I heard that this one was coming out, well, okay. So then the third book came out a few years ago and she kills off Mr. Darcy, um, Helen Fielding spoilers kills off Mr. Darcy in the third book. Okay. And I was like, that's crazy. Nobody should buy this book. I was very upset. Wait, he's not named Mr. Darcy. Yes, he is. Oh, he is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then when I saw that they were putting out this movie, I thought, oh no, they're going to kill off Darcy in this movie. So my best friend Angie was in town 
and we were going to see a movie and I was like, should we go see this terrible Bridget Jones's baby bullshit movie? And she was like, no, let's go see this other movie, this Zach Galifianakis and Kristen Wiig movie. And I forget the name of it. So we went to see that movie and that was the worst movie I've seen ever. <laughs> and so I was really mad that we didn't go see Bridget Jones's baby. So a couple days later, I was like, Carla, I'm going to make it up to you. I'm going to make it up to yourself. And I'm going to go see, I'm going to take myself to see Bridget Jones's baby. So I went by myself in the middle of the afternoon and it was so fun and so funny and so sweet. And I loved it. Okay. And I cracked myself up watching it and it was not bad at all. It was great. Emma Thompson wrote the screenplay, number one. Okay. That must be said. Yeah. For why it's probably so good. And Colin Firth is still adorable. Okay. You think I'll like it? Yes. Really? Okay. It's funny. It is genuinely funny. Okay. I'll check it out. All right. Uh, My number seven movie of the year is the only documentary on my list. OJ Made in America. Yep. That's a good one. Okay. Uh, This movie is about eight hours long. I believe it's the longest movie ever nominated for an Oscar. And I didn't think it was even eligible. But then when it showed up in the Oscar best documentary category, I'm like, well, I guess I got to put it on my movie list because I guess it must have had a theatrical release at some point. Otherwise, it would not be uh, considered. But it's ESPN does these 30 for 30 um documentary series about sports but this movie is about way more than sports yeah and uh you were pretty compelled by this I thought it was despite the fact movie. that you could give a shit about football and i would even say that like the first chapter which kind of goes over oj's football career you found interesting i had no idea that he was a good football player uh-huh. i didn't know that people like lo- worshipped him because my whole oj reference is was naked gun and then the shooting or the killing. Sure. The stabbing. <laughs> yes. How was a nice way to say that? The murder <laughs> of Nicole. Which um, we now know was done by Amanda Knox. Right. Uh, so that was the ref- But I knew he had been a football star, but I had no idea that he was such a great football star and that he was like everybody loved him. I had no idea any of that. It places him in context so you get a sense of like what his level of celebrity was. And why he was so beloved by the white community. And it goes into the dynamic. This film goes into the dynamics of L.A. at the time, having just come off the Rodney King. Yeah. And and actually, the whole history of race relations with the cops uh, and the citizens of L.A., like dating back for years. Yeah. Yeah. And so when. So when this O.J. thing happened, like you were taking sides, not based on really the murders, but more on black versus white which is whew. and the the level of access they have to people who are involved with the trial uh marcia clark gets a lot of face time and you really find yourself rooting for her and you're like yeah. well she was she was the only sane person involved yeah. with this but then the final chapter where you get into oj's like post trial life like you almost feel for the guy well he's cr- he's crazy yeah uh but the amount of like personal footage and video that they have of him is just astounding and just the breadth of this movie is uh, is just incredible agent and his lawyers yeah and just what 
frigging slime bags. And talk about cast of characters. Like, there's a really rich cast of yeah. characters who, unfortunately, are all real people. I would watch the whole case. thing again. Yeah, I, I will at some point. Yeah. Okay, so that was your number what? Seven. Mine is Lion. You ain't Lion? Lion. L-O-I-N. L-I-O-N. Not Loin. 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 What was Loin again? Lion is really... Uh, is a great movie. It falls apart for me a little bit when he's searching for his home online. Uh-huh. It feels like the whole movie just slows down. When we watched it, I did not know that it was based on a real story. You thought it was a made up story. I thought, yeah, I just thought it was a made up story about a little boy who got lost in India. Um, and so at this point in the movie, when Dev Patel is looking for his home on Google maps, like trying to, you know, recollect where he was. I was the whole time. I was like, this is crazy. This would never really happen in real life. This is so boring. Why are they showing us <laughs> researching, you know, him researching stuff online? This is taking forever. And then afterwards I found out it was a real story. And that was probably one of the more real parts. That's how he found out where he was from. Yeah. Was from the, um, not uh, Google earth. Right. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yeah, the, Google the Earth, yeah. Yeah. I'm a sucker for any movie where as the credits roll, they show you the real person. Yes. <laughs> you know? And uh, I immediately just turn into a puddle of mush, you know, particularly for this movie, which is so emotional and is such an incredible story. Yeah. This is my number 12 movie of the year. So just, just wow. missed my top 10. Huh. And you liked it even more than I did. I don't know. You after, have a number seven. I have a number 12. But after we watched it, you were like, I loved that. That was so great. And you didn't have any problems with it. And I was the one who was like, I don't know. That <laughs> internet research stuff was pretty boring. Well, obviously, you let it germinate for a while. And Lion so. has stayed with you. What's your number seven? Or did you already do that? OJ Made in America. What's your number six? Moonlight. Really? Number six? Number six. Mine's Jackie. Okay. I loved Jackie. I loved it. I loved the music in it. I loved the costumes in it. I loved the art direction in it. I loved the acting in it. I loved everything except for when she's talking to John Hurt. <laughs> Why? All of it's great except for that because she's like stating the themes of the movie through her character's dialogue Yeah. when she's meeting with the priest. And I f- found that to be really... Uh, like they were hand feeding us what this was about, and I didn't need that. Also, Billy Crudup was in this, and he was great in this too as the reporter. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's a good uh, criticism for the the priest stuff because it's a movie that's kind of uh really it, it's very well directed. Uh, Pablo Lorraine is the director. He's a Chilean filmmaker that I've really liked everything else that I've seen uh, of his movies. It's got a really great score, too, that was nominated. Yes. Uh, the music's incredible. By a, a young woman who's, I think, British and a DJ. And she also did the score for Under the Skin, the Scarlett Johansson alien movie. That I walked out of. Yeah. which, uh, But that's music that kind of gets under your skin, yeah. if you will. Oh, boy. Uh, and uh, that's part of what uh, makes this movie great. Yeah, that's my number 15 for the year is Jackie. And I sobbed. And I had no idea that she... I didn't, I didn't know any of the stuff about the shooting app right after how she didn't change her dress so that she would be photographed like that. So people understood yeah. what really happened to him. I did not know that she 
like researched Abraham Lincoln's funeral to give JFK a similar funeral because she felt like Lincoln was somebody that was a president that everybody still talked about. Like her ability to think reasonable, reasonably and also, you know, manipulatively yeah. afterwards to really uh, ensure his legacy, I thought was fascinating. The most heart wrenching moments for me, similar to Manchester by the sea is after a death, like the mundane things you have to go through. Right. Like, uh, of just being a survivor and just like having to go back to your house, yeah, which is the white house in her right. case, you know, having to tell the kids, right. You know, ordering food and yeah. like all the mundane, washing her face, washing her face of yeah. the blood, yeah. you know? So it really gets into the minutia of what she had to deal with in the immediate aftermath of JFK's assassination. Uh, that's what makes it so fascinating. Yep. Agreed. Number five arrival hunt for the wilder people. Okay. I feel like we both, we discussed those movies. Yep. Number four, Manchester by the Sea. This is going to be a controversial pick. Take a deep breath. Don't okay. get mad. Just know that it's my list and I can do what I want. The Crown. <laughs> it's a TV show. It's not, though. There's a blurred line on Netflix. Blurred line. If I can put OJ Made in America, which was made for TV, right? And Amanda Knox, which was a movie on Netflix. Yeah. The lines are getting blurred with Netflix being a player now and everybody. And the reason, okay. So here's why I'm going for the crown because I loved it. I was obsessed watching it and it feels, it feels very cinematic. It feels more cinematic than fences does. Like it's, it feels like a movie. It's a very long movie since it's like eight episodes or whatever. But, uh, and it's done by Stephen Daldry who, Oscar nominated director. A film director, right? Okay. So you guys, everybody just let me have this. The crown. Is okay. My number four. Okay. You got it. Uh, really? I, I'm not putting any TV on my list, but, uh, I mean, but just because they say it's a TV show, but if you put that together, it could be a long movie. Like if you sat somebody down in front of the TV and you said, watch this movie, <laughs> they'd be like, that's uh, a long movie. How long is it? But then they'd be like, yeah, that was a good movie. It's 12 hours? Fuck that. I'm, <laughs> there's no way I'm watching a 12-hour movie. <laughs> it, it is interesting, though, that people will binge watch a series for hours and hours, but you can't. But at Arclight, when the uh, the usher comes out at the beginning of like, this movie is two hours and 20 minutes, people are like, ugh. Right. Well, <laughs> the difference is between being at home, I think, and having yeah. to it. Yeah, I guess so. In a public space. Um. Okay, I, th- I think that's a huge cheat, but I love The Crown. Okay, thank I you. thought it was fantastic. And it is very cinematic. And that's another movie. Movie? Oh, you got me ah, doing it now, I Carla. <laughs> <laughs> it's great because for what is kind of a familiar story of like, you kind of know, you know, how Queen Elizabeth II took the throne, maybe, you know, but I don't care about the royals, but it really made me care. And it's the minutia. It's the minutia of just, uh, what her daily life was like and all the political maneuvering around her and all the things that she had to do of now being the monarch. Yeah. Uh, Claire Foy is fantastic. Performance. John Lithgow. I, I almost put John Lithgow as one of my top performances of the year, but I didn't want to give away. That that would have spoiled the the fact that you you were considering the crown. (laughs) Okay. Uh, 
Well, do you have uh, Stranger Things? No. You liked that even more, didn't you? No, I liked The Crown more. Okay. But I liked Stranger Things a lot. Number three, La La Land. OJ made in America. Oh, you tried to play it cool. Like, yeah. I'm like, no, yeah, OJ, I see that. That's kind of a good choice. Wow. So you've got OJ even higher. <sighs> my, my one, two, and three are all, they feel very much the same to me. Okay. Meaning like I like them all equally. Okay. So OJ Man in America could be my number one if you ask next week. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. But right now it's number three. Okay. Yeah. So you must not have La La Land in your top 10 then. I don't know. Uh, I liked, I'm, I'm not one of those people who's like La La Land, boo. <laughs> it seems so silly that people are so upset about it. I liked it. I just didn't love it. People are pre-programmed to get upset about whatever the Oscar front runner is, yeah. regardless of what it is. Um, it's a very well-made movie and I can absolutely see it winning the Oscar because, I mean, you have to like think about, and I felt this way with Titanic too. <laughs> Uh, like that's a that's a movie. Like it's the the photography is amazing, the music's amazing, the acting's really strong, the writing's you know like the editing. Like you just yeah. have to look at the full scope of it. And for me, La La Land definitely feels like an epic movie, and so I can see why why or or if it would win. I think it's just such a nice homage to the classic era of like Gene Kelly musicals. Uh, but I, I think the things I liked most about it were taking the things that are like mundane, uh, about living in LA now and elevating yeah. them to the level of a grandiose technicolor, Agreed. uh, musical. I thought, I mean, I think my favorite musical number was the opening one when they're all stuck in traffic. Yeah. I thought that was really fun and funny. I thought it was the best directed movie of the year. And I think Damien Chazelle is probably going to win the Oscar for director and very much deserves it. And I don't understand why people want to fight about that. Because it's an incredible feat. Like, just the amount of people that he was dealing with on set, the way that it was choreographed, that that number when they're at the party and, like, they're on the pool. I mean, it's incredible. It's yeah. really impressive. Whether you love the material or not, you have to admit that that's a really well-done movie. And then the ending sequence is kind of an homage to Gene Kelly's Dream yes, Ballet and American yeah. in Paris, you know. Yeah, the ending sequence is incredible. Now, let's be real. I thought it was way too sad. <laughs> like they promised me fun, like happiness <laughs> at the beginning. And so fuck you for getting real sad on me at the end. And that's one of the reasons I did not like it. Okay. Um, because you can be bittersweet, but it was just so like, they wanted us to be so sad about the two of them not being, mm? what are you doing, Carla? <laughs> they wanted us to be sad at the end as a result of the relationship, whatever. If you guys haven't seen La La Land, it's your fault. Uh, but then, like, they make her the most – oh, God. I'm just, just spoiling it. Just fast forward. I thought it was the right amount of bittersweet. But no. But then they make her the most, like, famous person in the – like, famous actress at the end. It felt very – like, I could have been more on board with it if she had not been so successful. Like, okay. be, be consistent okay. in your sadness. Fair enough. Uh. That's what I always tell you. Be consistent in your sadness. Number two. 20th century women. Yeah. I that, think that's... That's what you have too? too? Yeah. Okay. All right. Which means your number one is Moonlight. Number, my number one is Moonlight. And what's my number one? Hell or High Water. Hell or High Water. Which I just thought was okay. <laughs> too much of a boy movie for you? There's a lot of guys walking around and just smoking and spitting in that movie. <laughs> I love smoking and spitting movies. I know. 
uh yeah i mean so many dudes in hell or high water it's, it's like what, there's so many dudes sure it's a lot of dudes in it but i balance it out with 20th century women good point yeah I guess moonlight has a lot of dudes too but it just doesn't feel so masculine and aggressive sure it's about uh homosexuality and sensitivity yeah and uh the the difficulty of being a sensitive person in a masculine society but you know who i love in hell or high water no chris pine oh yeah he's a handsome man he really is like (laughs) as close as we have to like a steve mcqueen you know paul newman type right now and he's an incredible actor we saw him in a play a few years ago yeah lieutenant of inishmore yep yeah uh, yeah, he's, he's damn good. All right. Do you feel, feel like we've covered it? I feel like you didn't take Bridget Jones's baby seriously enough. <laughs> and I guess I just need to reemphasize that it's much better than you expect. And because I thought it was going to be so bad and I enjoyed it so much, I felt like it had to go on the list. Well, if you're going to watch Arrival and Sully, then I feel like I should watch Bridget Jones's baby. I do too. But have you seen Bridget Jones's diary? Yes. Okay. I've seen the original. Did you like it? Yeah. No, it was fine. Yeah, it was all right. (laughs) When did you see it? When it came out. With your lady? I don't know. When did it come out? (laughs) 2001. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we were not together at the time, so that was my previous relationship. I was 21. (laughs) I was older than that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, uh, Renee Zellweger. She's kind of uh, fat and British in it, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I remember Uh, it. There's a thing with Christmas sweaters. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's Mr. Darcy. <laughs> totally remember it. Yeah. Hugh Grant's in it, right? Mm-hmm. And Hugh Grant is more, she she wants to date Hugh Grant, but she really is more into, uh, Colin Firth is, Spoilers. is more right for her. We can spoil uh, the first Bridget Jones, I think. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And she's got. So we'll watch all those movies. And she's got friends. Are we going to have to watch the whole fucking trilogy? No. Okay. <laughs> Plus, they're only like ninety minutes. So calm down, Mister. Do you feel like if I haven't seen French The Edge movie. of Reason that I won't understand what's happening in Bridget Jones's Baby? No, you'll get it. Okay. It's pretty straightforward. I'm not saying it's a great movie. I'm just saying if these are my favorites, then that's one of them. Well, we've teased uh, doing our Oscar picks, but I feel like since we're already running long, maybe whatever episode comes out the week of the Oscars, we'll do we'll include our Oscar picks that week. That works. How's that sound? Could you? Nap. Okay. <laughs> and uh, no khaki theater, no Carla's quotes, no Craig's first time. They just weren't appropriate to this. So sorry, Craig's listeners, uh, about omitting the regular segments of our podcast. But I hope you got. Uh, a little insight into the way that Carla and I see movies on a yearly basis. Three hours later, this <laughs> podcast is over. If you've stuck with us to the end, you're the best. And uh, that was the best of 2016, according to Craig and Carla. Join us next week when finally we're going to get to this John DeFlorette Manon of the Spring double feature. Right, Carla? I guess. The list is an absolute good. The list is life.